Hi, and welcome back to the Ooey Gooey Podcast. You're either new here and don't know how boring this is going to be, or you've come back for a second episode and you know exactly what you're in for. Either way, welcome. At the end of the last episode, I said we'd be talking about creating and designating CUI on this episode, but I got too excited and I jumped ahead of myself. First, I'll need to introduce you to the CUI lifecycle. Introducing the CUI lifecycle will be quick, then we'll dive into the first two steps of the CUI lifecycle, which are creating and designating CUI. Episode 2, Introduction to the CUI Lifecycle. Ah, the circle of life. I came up with this concept while developing some CUI training with side channel security. That training is still available, so if you're looking for more structured CUI training than just this podcast, you should reach out to them for more information. If you're looking for a visual of this CUI lifecycle as I go through it, you can find it on my website at dodcui.com forward slash CUI dash life dash cycle. You won't need that graphic, but it could be helpful if you're a visual type of person like I am. Before we get started, I want to say that I created my DOD CUI website months before the DOD created their DOD CUI website. When DOD published their CUI program policy, DOD Instruction 5200.48, in March of 2020, I realized that there were no existing training aids or DOD-specific resources for the DIB besides this policy. So instead of waiting for DOD to get around to it, I went ahead and created a resource for myself. On my website, you'll find links to all of the authoritative sources that I referenced in the first episode, links to the DOD's CUI website, the link to mandatory DOD CUI training, a downloadable CUI cover sheet, which is also a standard form created by the government, as well as a free DOD CUI handbook. The DOD CUI handbook takes the ISOO's guidance and combines it with the DOD guidance. When there is a difference in the two standards, I take the more strict standard. Sometimes the stricter standard is the DOD's and sometimes it's the ISOO's. When you're implementing government policies like this, it's important to always implement the most strict standard, because if you're implementing the more lenient standard, then you are running afoul of the more strict standard, which won't be good if you're responsible for implementing both policies. You should also be thinking about this if you're handling export controlled information like ITAR or EAR. You'll definitely need to implement the handling requirements for that data, which has much more strict requirements than CUI basic. When in doubt, take the higher route. Okay, finally, I think we're ready to introduce the CUI lifecycle. Again, I want to reiterate that this is my concept and is not an official ISOO or DOD framework. In my lifecycle, there are nine parts. The lifecycle starts out linear, like all CUI starts at the same place and follows the first three stages, but then there's a fork in the road, and along each fork there are more forks. The nine parts of the lifecycle are create, identify and designate, those two are one part, mark and label, also those two are one part, Store, disseminate, either with CUI intact or by removing the CUI, decontrolling, and destroying. Each part of this life cycle has corresponding guidelines and requirements that must be applied to ensure that you're properly protecting government information. Breaking down CUI into these segments will help you get a better understanding of where you fit into the CUI life cycle in order to apply the right regulations at the right time. Not everyone will get to be a part of every stage of CUI's life. I mean, I have though, so don't be jealous. But for today, we're just going to focus on creating, identifying, and designating CUI. CUI can be created in almost any form. CUI can be found in handwritten notes, PDFs, computer-aided design files, 
charts, and graphs, Word documents, and can also be spoken orally over the phone, through a collaboration platform, and to the person sitting next to you. CUI is CUI from the moment it's created. And this is why I imagine determining if CUI will be generated in pursuit of a government contract is one of the most difficult aspects of a contracting officer's job. This is also probably why every DoD contract contains the DFARS 7012 clause. I realize that the CUI program is an executive branch agency program and not specific just to DoD, but I want to take a quick detour to talk about the DFARS 7012 clause. The Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement, or the DFARS for short. Oh, and by the way, there is an S at the end of DFARS because that S stands for supplement, and the S is not meant to pluralize DFAR. Um, anyway, the DFARS is the DOD's acquisition regulation and applies only to the DOD contracts. Okay, so the DFARS 7012 clause, uh, the clause's full name is 48 CFR Part 252.204-7012, but we'll just call it the DFARS clause for short. The 7012 clause was most recently updated in December of 2019, which predates the DoD CUI program. Because this clause predates the DoD CUI program, it uses the term Covered Defense Information, or CDI for short. People still use this term CDI, even though the 7012 clause defines CDI in paragraph alpha, A for you non-defense types, as controlled technical information or other information as described in the CUI registry. So they're defining CDI as CUI, which means we should be replacing CDI in our vocabulary with CUI. Okay, so back to our regularly scheduled programming, creating CUI. It may be hard to conceptualize all of the ways that CUI might be created in support of contract, which is what makes that contracting officer's job so difficult. When CUI is created, it must be created in an environment that is appropriately secured to handle CUI, both physically and technically. You can't just create CUI on a random computer and then email it to your work computer. That would be mishandling CUI. We'll get into much more detail on the environmental requirements for handling CUI when we get further along the life cycle. But for now, it's important to know that when you create CUI, it must be created in an environment approved for handling CUI by your company. And remember, notes that you jot down during a meeting could be CUI, as well as those post-it notes you may use to remind yourself to do things. All of those things must be handled just like CUI in a finished product. So you've created this information and either spoken it or drawn it or written it into existence. So what next? I rolled the next step into one. It's technically two separate things, but I put them in one because you need one and immediately need the other. You can't just do that first step without naturally doing the second one. So it's identify and designate. Identifying means you realize that you're creating information in pursuit of a federal contract and that the information could potentially be sensitive. Designating it as CUI is what you do when you determine that the information you just created is actually CUI. Recap, the two sides of this coin are identifying, which means you're identifying that this information has the potential to become CUI, and then designating, which means you're confirming that the information that you just created is in fact CUI. And yes, you, dear listener, are allowed to, empowered to, and required to designate that information you just birthed as CUI. Okay, but like, how do you know, know it's CUI? Well, the bad news is, is that there's no magical classification guide that tells you exactly what is CUI. The only guide we have to go from is the CUI registry. The CUI registry is located on the National Archives website, which is found at www.archives.gov forward slash CUI 
forward slash registry forward slash category dash list. This is where you'll find all of the CUI categories. Now I have said before, if information that you are attempting to designate as CUI does not fall into this list of categories, then it's not CUI, no matter how sensitive you think it might be. If you don't have the CUI registry pulled up in front of you right now, let me describe what you'll be looking at if you did. The CUI categories listed in alphabetical order within organizational index groupings. Those organizational index groupings are not categories of CUI. They are simply there to organize the CUI into groupings so they don't have just one giant list um, from A to Z of CUI categories. The organizational index groupings are also not meant to be exclusionary. What I mean by that is that the index groupings aren't the entire category list of CUI you have to choose from when your company or agency falls into that grouping. For example, the defense grouping only has four categories of CUI, controlled technical information or CTI, DOD critical infrastructure security information, naval nuclear propulsion information, and unclassified controlled nuclear information dash defense. Now, does that mean that if you're a defense contractor, that those are the only four types of CUI categories that you could possibly possess for a DOD contract? Nope. So make sure that you're checking out the entire registry if you're attempting to designate a type of CUI that you've not designated previously. So now that you know that you need to check out the entire registry before you hone in on an index grouping that you think might apply to your information, let's move on to digging into the description of the CUI categories and learning how to use all of the resources available to you in the CUI registry. I've decided to click on the DOD critical infrastructure security information. Yes, it does fall within the defense index grouping, but I think this is a good place to start. So. When you first click on a CUI category link, it'll take you to a second page. That second page will provide for you all of the resources that you should need to be able to determine if that information that you just created is in fact CUI and falls into that category. At the top of the page, you'll find the category description. Now I'm gonna read for you this one verbatim so that we can kind of pull it apart to see how we might be able to decide if the information we just created falls within this category. DOD critical infrastructure security information is information that, if disclosed, would reveal vulnerabilities in the DOD critical infrastructure and, if exploited, would likely result in the significant disruption, destruction, or damage of or to DOD operations, property, or facilities, including information regarding the securing and safeguarding of explosives, hazardous chemicals, or pipelines related to critical infrastructure or protected systems owned or operated on behalf of the DOD, including vulnerability assessments prepared by or on behalf of the DOD, explosive safety information, including storage and handling, and other site-specific information on or relating to installation security. That is one sentence. But don't worry, because we're about to break it down. And the way that I see it, this sentence has three main parts and three main requirements for the information to be considered CUI. So first, it has to reveal a vulnerability. Second, the vulnerability has to be related to DOD critical infrastructure. And three, if exploited, would likely likely result in significant disruption, destruction, or damage to, and all of the other things. So those are the things that you should focus on initially. 
figure out if the vulnerability is related to DoD critical infrastructure, not just infrastructure, but critical infrastructure, and if exploited would likely result in significant damage. So if it doesn't meet, if the information you're creating doesn't meet those thresholds, then the information does not meet the threshold for the category of DoD critical infrastructure security information. So we're just going to assume that the information that you just created is uh, DOD critical infrastructure security information. So we're going to need the rest of the page. So right below the category description, you'll find the category marking. The category marking is important, especially if the category of CUI is CUI specified. We won't know that until we get to the bottom of the page. Um, but this acronym is the only approved acronym when you're referencing this type of CUI. And the reason why realizing that this is the only approved acronym for this category of CUI is um, because in the next line, um, they provide to you an alternative banner marking for basic authorities um, because, spoiler alert, this is uh, CUI basic. So if you're going to have any sort of header or footer that is not just the acronym CUI, you may also use in this category instance CUI forward slash forward slash DCRIT, which is that approved acronym. You may not use any other shortened form of this category name. You must use this approved acronym. That's the whole reason behind the CUI program is to standardize the way that we mark and label and handle this type of information. So if you're going to um, go above and beyond and write in this type of category information in a header or a footer, you must use the approved acronym that they have provided to you. And furthering the point that um, standardized marking is so important here, the next box down, it's called banner format and marking notes. And this box appears on every single category page. It's the same on every category page because marking is so important. There's a standardized marking format template there's guidance out there. Actually, this box references 32 CFR 2002.20. It links to a CUI marking handbook and it links to the limited dissemination controls. So if you ever have any questions about how you're supposed to mark and label, they have these resources right there for you so that everyone is on the same page and marking it the same way. If you keep scrolling down the page, you'll get to your final bit of information. This is where you'll find your safeguarding and or dissemination authority and figure out if your category of CUI is basic or specified. In this case, I already said it was basic, so it's not super exciting, which means all of the basic rules of CUI apply to this category. Sometimes you'll be surprised and find out that your category of CUI is sometimes basic and sometimes specified, and it's up to you to figure out if your information is CUI basic or specified. So how do you do that? Well, the answer lies in reading the laws that make this information CUI. So in this category, there's only one um, authority that designates this information as CUI, um, but in other categories where there are multiple authorities, I would have to click on each one of those, open up that law or policy, read it, try to figure out where they're coming from and why they think this information is sensitive. If you go through that exercise, you'll have a much better idea about the information that you've just created. It's also important to note that um, this category doesn't have any, but some of the other categories of CUI also have associated sanctions. And those sanctions are details on the trouble you can get into if you mishandle that category of CUI. So you might wanna check out that um, so that you understand what you'll be on the hook for should you mishandle that information. So I know I promised 30 minute episodes, but we're at the end of creating, identifying, and designating, and I think we're at a really good stopping point. 
because the next stop on this train is Mark and Label. And while that may sound like something to wrap up in 10 or 15 minutes, I assure you there's a lot of nuance and detail. So join me next time as we tackle how to Mark and Label CUI.